On this episode of Another Zelda Podcast, David and Celeste talk about some of their favorite Easter eggs in Zelda games. Welcome to another Zelda podcast. I am David Geisler, your host for tonight's episode, and tonight I am joined by Celeste Roberts, who is co-hosting along with me. Celeste, how are you? I am so great because I'm so excited to record this episode. Well, this was, I, I don't mind saying it, this was um, your idea, but also I'm so pleased that it was your idea. We were, we're, you know, everybody knows that we're scrambling to get season three done here amid the almost the end of a pandemic. And we've had to make some really creative choices as we've gone. I do think season three has opened up a lot of awesome possibilities and new things that we do that'll bring us into season four. But boy, you and I were chatting and I was like, okay, we did. Hey, listen, as a, as a internet only episode, I can't, I can't wait any longer. I think we need to do one more. I really got, I want to get to the end of season three here and, um, since you well, you recently just interviewed me for a Boss Rush game, which or a Boss Rush podcast episode, which was really kind of nice. That was so much fun. I cannot wait for AZP fans to listen to that. A little behind the curtain, as you say, David. Oh, boy. And boy, was it behind the curtain. I got a little too behind the curtain. I didn't realize I was going <laughs> to gush and vent about my childhood and all those things. But uh, when that episode comes, I, I got done with it. And I was kind of like, OK, I think I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with talking about all the things I talked about. But I was like, oh, yo, yo, that is I was that goes out on the Internet. I was talking like I was talking to my best friend. But anyway, uh, certainly Aww. you as an interviewer made me feel that way, Celeste, on that on that recording. It was great. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. <laughs> So, so anyway, I guess what I'm trying to get to here is I feel like even though I, as much as I am usually not particularly excited about recording over the internet, um, as far as the variables of trying to get season three done, you having a great idea for an episode and us getting a little bit more comfortable with our Skype meetings that we have once a week and now a couple recording sessions we've had together, I thought, well, I think our flow will be good enough here uh, over the internet and we'll be just fine. We'll be able to pull off a classic, a classic favorites episode. Love it. Cool. Okay. So Celeste, we um, are today, we are, well, actually, why don't you tell everybody what we're doing today? All right. Sit down, everyone. It is springtime and David likes evergreen content, which I agree with. You want to be able to listen to episodes and they're relevant at any time. And this one, I, I was just thinking about springtime. I was thinking about Easter and I love Easter eggs in video games and the Zelda series is rife with them. So this might come out around Easter, maybe right before, maybe a little after. So we thought, why don't we talk about our favorite Easter eggs in this series? And we did something special with our patrons for this episode. Yes, so we, we're gonna skip listener feedback at the top of this episode. We just had a full listener feedback episode. We have been getting some really beautiful reviews over on iTunes, really nice things. People are saying some really great things. We'll save those for another time because we actually have a tremendous amount of Patreon-based, I guess, feedback, because we reached out to them and asked them about mm -hmm. some of their favorite Easter eggs too. So Celeste, we this is the first time you and I are doing a favorites episode. I haven't done a proper favorites episode in quite some time. I think the last favorites episode we had on the show was uh, was. Mallory and Ryan doing favorite winter wonderlands, in fact. What? 
Yeah, I know. I know. It feels good to slowly get back into some of our kind of classic styles of episodes here. So I have I have about uh, a list of a couple things. You have a list of a couple things. And as you might know, on a favorites episode, it's not a top 10. It's not our most favorite to least favorite. It's just kind of a flow of conversation, the things we feel like talking about. And um, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to pepper in the Patreon um submissions that we we asked them for we we went out we went over to our patreon page and asked everyone from any tier honestly uh if they wanted to contribute some of their favorite easter eggs that they, we wanted them to do so so i'll instead of like saving it to the end or doing it all in the beginning slice i think i'll kind of just jump back and forth here and um incorporate it into our conversation sound good that's what i used to do way back in like season one kate and i i used to do it that way I used to have i used to have literal printed paper of like comments and submissions and I'd kind of file through and skip to one. So, uh, Celeste, since this was your idea, I, I, I'm, I was very excited about the, the Easter eggs that I thought about and uh, some that you have on the list here were ones I wasn't aware of. Some of the things that you have put on your list. A lot of times we're breaking one small rule here, Celeste. Usually on a favorites episode, Kate and I would not share our lists with each other so that there was a nice <gasps> element of surprise and a little bit more conversation. We have a shared Google Doc for this one. We're using the internet to its full capacity. <laughs> we're using a, a shared Google Doc and we're Skyping and that is fine. So, um, but I still think we're going to have, I'll, I'll pretend I'm surprised by every single one of your submissions. I'm just joking. <laughs> let's, uh, <laughs> let's get into it here. And why don't you start things off with one of yours that you'd like to talk about right off the bat? Well, thank you, David. That was so sweet of you to humor my idea. So one of the first Easter eggs that came to my mind was in Ocarina of Time. With Princess Zelda's courtyard. Oh, yes. And I'm thinking of the Nintendo 64 version of Ocarina of Time, not the 3DS one. I haven't played that one. I have it, just have not played it. I can speak if to you, that. <laughs> if if you go to Princess Zelda's courtyard as young Link, because it's not there as adult Link, and you look in the windows to the side, you can see pictures of Mario and his friends, like Luigi, there's Yoshi, Princess Peach. Yes, yeah. it's true, absolutely. And, and I actually never experienced that Easter egg organically. I think as a kid, I was so excited to run over to Zelda that I actually didn't explore too much. And then I know the first couple of times I played through Ocarina of Time back in 19, whatever it was, 99, 97. Um, I think it was 99. It was kind of 98, wasn't it? 98. There it was. Um, I, you know, you go talk to Impa and she flashes you out of the castle and very rarely do, you know, I was so excited about the rest of the adventure that very rarely did I ever go back into the courtyard to check it out. But as an adult, I guess you could say, I did go around and I found this Easter egg. And um, essentially, now I can't remember, Celeste, is it the windows that... So when you enter the castle courtyard in Ocarina of Time, let's just say that as far as the camera is concerned, Link enters from the right and Zelda is waiting on the left. I know technically the camera kind of zooms all over the place, but I think that's the general sense of the staging here. Would you agree? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the oh, wait, let's not use the camera. Let's use our orientation to Link. When Link enters the courtyard, mm -hmm. Zelda is in front of him. There's a window mm -hmm. to his right and a window to his left. Is this mm -hmm. Easter egg in the window to his right or the window to his left? Both. What? Both. There are, I think there are some different pictures. And now my memory's a little fuzzy. You might be right. So please forgive me. But I think they divide them. I think there are like 
two in each one. And this is not so much an Easter egg, but if you throw a bomb or hit, no, if you hit it with, you hit one of the windows, or maybe it's both of the windows with your slingshot, a guard says, cut that out. And he throws a bomb at you, which kind of perplexed me as a child because I thought, well, wouldn't they come and kick Link out? Because obviously they've been patrolling in that little garden area. So why wouldn't they go wow. and get him out? He's so close to the princess. <laughs> Are they not that concerned I anymore? No, I had no idea that that even happened. I think I recall looking through some windows and you can see some guards heads and faces and stuff like that that might be in the window behind zelda um yes but yes, yes. i i can say that in the ocarina of time 3d uh i guess remake remaster remake if eh, anyway um it's it's not photos or or jpegs of mario characters what, what is it in in ocarina or in uh, the nintendo 64 one i think it's like bowser luigi and mario or something it's I'm, I, I don't think i'm accurate Yoshi. Yeah. oh yeah okay peach is in there um, but they actually, in the 3D one, they rebuild, they build a couple elements of a Mario level. So there's like a, some normal brick blocks. There might be a pipe, if I remember correctly. And they're just kind of like plastered along the wall in the Ocarina of Time 3D remake in this place instead of the photos. And I think mm-hmm. I kind of remember being able to see some of those elements, even just from walking around the courtyard regularly instead of doing tricky stuff with the camera. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, is this a, ch- a time when you would like to mention a, a patron's review? Because someone has something very similar to what I said, David. Well, 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 Celeste, why don't you bring us there? <laughs> All right. So it's it's out of order of appearance and, and uh, contribution. But Monica Spath, Monica Spath, I apologize. I'm not sure how to pronounce your name. I think I usually say name. Spath when it's Monica. Spath. Yeah. Monica Spath. Okay. Thank you for oh. writing in, Monica. In Ocarina of Time 3D, there are a few places around Hyrule where there is a picture of Link from Skyward Sword posted on the wall and in a frame. Since Skyward Sword is coming out in July on the Switch, a game I definitely want to play since it would be my first playthrough, I thought that was a great nod to that game. Yeah, absolutely. I do remember organically seeing one of the Skyward Sword pictures, and I think it's like... So my memory is such that it's either in Kakariko Village or Lan Lan Ranch, but it's essentially one of these regular houses that you go into and there's some disparate things laying around you know so one of the things that was kind of cool about the ocarina of time 3d remake is that they definitely populated the buildings the interior of the buildings a little bit more you know if there was a single table in the nintendo 64 version in the ds version 3ds version they threw some extra cups and plates to the point where if i may celeste in the majora's mask remake I feel, I would actually argue that the level of set dressing, we'll say, on interiors of buildings in the Majora's Mask remake are rival that of original Twilight Princess. I'm serious. They they just, there are times in the Majora's Mask remake where you're like, this is only one small step down from Twilight Princess graphics as far as like the details and having fabrics go over tables and pictures and papers and cups and things like that. And they certainly did a little bit of that in uh, Ocarina of Time as well. And so uh, mixed in with those elements, I do absolutely remember, I don't know if it was Link, you know, it's kind of the classic, it's weird how your memories work sometimes. Um, I'm remembering Link on on a uh, loft wing, like in the sky Mm -hmm. as one of the pictures, but I could be mistaken. Thank you, Monica, for that. Yeah, the Skyward Sword pictures. You know, it's interesting with the remakes. We have a few others in here, I think, that are remake-based. And 
um, a developer, when a developer is remaking a game, especially when it's not the original developer, which is common, you know, um, I think, is it, was it Grezzo that did? I think it was Grezzo that did the Ocarina of Time and the Majora's Mask remakes because then they went on to do the Link's Awakening Switch remake. Okay. But okay. when Grezzo made the Ocarina of Time 3D game for the 3DS, Nintendo literally handed Grezzo the original Ocarina of Time code, Celeste. So Grezzo took that and then they had a number of months, if not a year, to upgrade the textures rebuild some of the images that were just 2D images and rebuild them as 3D images. I think most famously, you know, like Castle Town was a, a bunch of just scrolling 2D images. And because they wanted the game to be in 3D, Grezzo went in and rebuilt all the geometry or yeah, I guess rebuilt or built from scratch the geometry of a lot of those buildings. And um, it also means that they had an opportunity to put more what I was calling set dressings in on all of the buildings. So since the original code was there and a lot of the original geometry of these buildings were there, Grezzo couldn't help themselves to upgrade the graphics a bit. And um, they, um, something weird is happening on my camera right now. Anyways, um, they, uh, I'm so sorry, I got so distracted with a notification, but they were able to, to add these things in. And so I think a lot of times with these remakes, when a company has that extra time, it's a little bit like, model makers back in the 80s and the 90s they would build you know the titanic is sinking or something there you know the titanic had a lot of computer generated stuff but it also had a lot of models um maybe something like even like die hard 2 there's an airport shot where that was actually a 3d model and you know every little window needs to look like it has people in it so then the model makers have fun putting like ninja turtles in there and other things and you know skeletons and all this stuff you could never see it from the wide shot but um they can't help themselves. And sometimes I think with these these remakes and remasters, a company feels very creative and they can't help themselves and throw in some Easter eggs as well. Whew, that was a long-winded version of getting to that one, but there it is. <laughs> well, okay, David. So since I shared mine and patrons that was related to mine, would you like to share one of yours? <laughs> okay, yeah, no problem. No problem. Wow, you are... Well, okay, since we did, you know, the Ocarina of Time... Um, Pictures in the window, I think, is a <clears throat> a almost famous Easter egg in Ocarina of Time. I'm glad we started with that one. So I'm going to do another one here that is very well known. Um, though I don't have a tremendous amount of notes on it. I just threw it in my list. But it's the Chris Houlihan room in A Link to the Past. Celeste, I'm sure you're familiar with the story. I think every single person is familiar with this story. Every single person that Googles anything about Easter eggs on YouTube or Google or otherwise um, is familiar with the Chris Houlihan story. Chris Houlihan won a competition back in the 90s. It was some kind of raffle or something. I actually don't remember, but it was a it was a promotional competition that Nintendo had to get your own secret room in an upcoming Zelda game. And of course, uh, I don't actually know how to get to the room. It's, you almost have to glitch in a little bit. There's some crazy pattern. Do you know, Celeste? It's something with the Pegasus shoes, I believe. You have to run really fast, and then you land in this room. I think it's under a bush. Please forgive me if I'm wrong. And there are all there are all these blue rupees. You're you're a wealthy little Hillian. Yeah, you basically drop down into a cave room, and then um, there's a bunch of blue rupees, and there's a little stone that you can read, and it simply says something like, um, "My name, I am Chris Houlihan, and this is my secret room, or something." And so, though, so Nintendo stuck to their promise. Chris Houlihan got his secret room, and is forever will be mentioned on podcasts like this. <laughs> He's immortal. I wonder if we could look him up on LinkedIn or something. What's that dude up to these days? Oh my gosh, seriously. 
Seriously. Uh, so anyway, I'm, you know, since that one's, I think, a little better known, I'm going to jump to another one here real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I would like to talk about this one I didn't know about, but when I did a little bit of research over the past week, I found this really strange fact about Link's Awakening. And Link's Awakening has, you know, we all know that the development of Link's Awakening was a passion project from the team that while they were working on A Link to the Past, actually. And so when a Link's, when Link's Awakening was originally being created, they didn't think it was going to be a real Zelda game. So the designers were just throwing a bunch of fun things into Link's Awakening. Very famously, um, I hope I'm not taking one of yours here, but very famously, uh, Mr. Wright is writing to um, Peach, unknowingly Peach from Mario Brothers when he's like writing to his love. Or he thinks he is, but he's actually writing to the hippo or something like that. Mm-hmm, That's one where mm-hmm. you know Peach jumps in. All the Mario Brothers characters that show up in Link's Awakening. I get, I, those are kind of Easter eggs, kind of cameos. But um, one that I found is that in the French version of Link's Awakening, the if you go into, you know, uh, what is this, Ularia? Oh my gosh, what's Ularia's... First name. Oh, the it's little, the old the man. Phone, the, the phone, phone guy. Man? Yeah. Oh, Something it Ularia. Yeah, it's Ularia. Uh, it's, he's very shy in person. That's what I remember. Mr. Ularia, I'm going to say. You, you know, he says, oh, leave, leave, leave. Talk to me from the phone. Talk to me from a phone. And so that creates your help mechanic. He actually basically becomes your Navi in that game because no matter where you go, you can get information about what you need to do next by calling him on this phone. Anyway, if you, if you go to the phone in his, in his house and and you try it a couple times, it says something like, Oh, I'm so-and-so you've got the wrong number or something in the English version. But in the French version, the text reads, I think this is another situation where the translators are having fun. It basically says something like, Oh, you've reached Madonna. Ooh la la, blah blah blah. You got the wrong number, or something like that. And it's the, the pop singer Madonna. Yes, it has been. It has been discovered <laughs> that they were having fun with names. You know, a little bit like maybe the Post Sisters having their names um, be what they are in Ocarina of Time. Um, the French translation had some fun, and they decided that it was going to be Madonna calling on the other side of the phone. And so that is that is that is in French canon. Madonna exists in the Hyrule universe somehow. I'm totally joking. She of course doesn't. They just they just put had to put something in. Now, David, you know what that's making me think of? A lot of mm. people liken Lady Gaga to Madonna. So it would have been really funny if in the French version they did that in the remake, but it's Lady Gaga. Because <laughs> she has that song Telephone. <laughs> oh my goodness, you're onto something here. I don't know what this is like in the uh, English version of the remake. And can you language switch the English switch version of Link's Awakening? You might be able to. I know they've got all the different Ooh. languages in Breath of the Wild. But anyway, um, I don't know. Maybe it might be a fun thing to try out and see. Try talking on Eularia's phone. Uh, French listeners, if you're there, let us know. <laughs> Thank you for that, David. Which Now, David, I have to let you read this one. Because you alluded to the post. Oh, is this Carly's? Yes. Why don't you read yes. that one? So Carly du- Duzinski. Um, so my mother's maiden name is Rakowski. It's always nice to spot another Polish name. Uh, Carly Duzinski says, oh, another one. Oh, actually, Carly, I think has something a little higher. But for now, um, she contributed. She said, oh, another one. The Post sisters from the Forest Temple in Ocarina of Time are named the sisters in Little Women. Not sure if this counts as an Easter egg, but always thought it was funny. And we've actually mentioned this one a few times in previous episodes. And Celeste, I know you were particularly excited about that fact back in the day when this has been brought up in the past. So would yeah. you like to say anything about that? 
Well, uh, their names are Joe, Beth, Meg, and Amy. The, the characters in Little Women, and I recently watched the remake of the movie. I think that movie, I think that novel has been made into multiple multiple movies multiple times. So I've, <laughs> I've never seen Little Women, a, a Little Women film, but I think there are four of them. Okay, maybe okay. five. It depends on how far back you go. But I think um, in our lifetime, there's been three of them. <laughs> I think so. And the one I watched recently, please forgive me if I'm mispronouncing her name. She's a very famous Irish actress Saoirse Ronan is that how you pronounce her name I'm not familiar but okay Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she was the main character (laughs) she was I forgot which one she represents but she's in there yeah it's pretty good pretty good I have two sisters so it's kind of cool watching that and reminding oh, nice. your sisters yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> it's interesting because there are things you know sometimes with these translations they it's a it's it's a area ripe for um easter eggs so to speak because the game has already been created by the original creators it's being passed on to some other people where the the translation is is looked at but probably a few more things could slip through the cracks or at the end of the day if you're you know it's like famously the um all the Koopa kids being based off, you know, named after musicians in Mario Brothers 3. Back when the English translation translation was being made of that one, was that, I think it was. You know, there's like, well, we got to give them names. We got to give them something. We might as well have it be, you know, like I think Ringo pops up in like a Zelda game or some game, you know, some of the Beatles names mm-hmm. pop up and that stuff is just because they got to give them a name somehow and sometimes it's just fun to do that. And so I think, it's, I think, I do think it's cute. Localization, man. <laughs> That's what it is. That's what it is. Because I mean, you know, what's um, you know, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get us into a uh, into a different thread there. But I was like, oh, but what's the reverse version? You know, what's and it's also kind of cool because like now a lot of companies are a little bit because back in the day, even pre, like like with the original The Legend of Zelda, that localization was. Even for the American, like most famously, I am error in in Link in Zelda Two, is just yeah. a, a, is just a, a localization thing because error stood for another thing. Error doesn't actually stand for error, and they were just getting other names in there. I am I'm going to start talking about something I don't fully understand, so I don't want to um, pretend that I'm an expert on this. But it was definitely <laughs> an act of some of the localization. All right, Celeste, what else do we got? All right, my next one. Now, I think you and Shane mentioned this. Now, this is not technically a Zelda game, but I was thinking of how Link is an Easter egg himself in Super Mario RPG. So, you know, what's cool about that is I agree with you. I think the the Link appearance in Super Mario RPG is more Easter egg than it is cameo. Okay. Okay. I think that's what I'm thinking too. I think it's a nice little bonus. So basically, the, well, would you like to set it up, Celeste? Well, I've, I'm really bad at Super Mario RPG. I, I need to play it again as an adult because as a as a kid, I died a lot. I didn't really understand RPGs, and I think when you go into a house, I, I'm not sure which house it is, and you can rest in a bed. There are two beds in this particular house, and in one of the beds. There. Link is just lying there sleeping away. Yeah, I um I I did play Mario RPG. Uh, the second time I played it, I finally got all the way through. I didn't um grind enough the first time. I didn't understand that I needed to grind when it first came out and whatever it was, 97, 99, whatever. And um I I ended up the first time I played, I couldn't get past the Power Rangers equivalent. It's 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 maybe 80% of the way into the game. 
um, there's like this Power Rangers parody that you fight and I could never get past. But anyway, the second time I played, I, I was able to grind a little more and I got through it. But about, I'd say halfway through the game, you go to a town that has been, um, I don't know if ravaged is the right word, but it has been uh, put in disarray. And mm-hmm. there is a inn, there's inns in every town, but there's an inn that you go into and most of the time the beds are totally empty. But in this inn, there is a, the bed is the graphic of it being like someone in it. And there's just kind of like a green hat, a little bit of a face facing away from the camera. You don't even see a face or anything. You see a little green hat and you realize that it's Link sleeping in the bed because when you talk to it, it might just be zzz or something, but somehow they allude to it. But you can definitely tell it's Link and he's just sleeping in the bed. And that's why I say it's a bit of an Easter egg more than a cameo because it's not like, you know, it's not like he's like a conscious, awake character mm-hmm. at the local bar and you talk to him and he says something about Hyrule or something and then wishes you luck. It's none of that. He's just sleeping there in the corner in the side. It's very similar to like Link being on the tombstone in Final Fantasy. It's just a nice little ping, a nice little mm-hmm. Easter egg. And you're absolutely right. He sleeps a lot. I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> well, there's a thing. There's a thing where on purpose, they design it so that most in most I think all 3D Zelda games, but in most Zelda games, Link is usually usually introduced sleeping. Yes. Skyward yeah. Sword, Wind Waker, Ocarina of Time, Twilight Princess. Now he does, he's sleeping for different, oh, I don't know if he's sleeping in Twilight Princess. He's actually oh. sitting, uh, he's sitting along the pond there with his mm-hmm. kind of surrogate uncle. With Russell. Yeah. He's not sleeping. But but Miyamoto's actually spoken to this, or maybe it was IG Numa. Um, they've said that they often have Link start as a character who's sleeping because it's a nice way to introduce the character where you start with a blank blank slate, but also they say that they kind of like this idea of Link a little bit starting his adventure out uh, almost a little lazy. Like he's almost just, an, they, they feel like having this character, like in Skyward Sword, Zelda has to send a Loftwing in just to wake him up. They really play it out. You know what I mean? He's kind of a quote-unquote lazy little sprite over in Ocarina of Time. Nate Navi has to go and wake him up. And he's like, oh, what's going on? All right, whatever. I mean, I guess he had a nightmare just before. But nevertheless, um, that is a conscious choice to oftentimes have. Oh, definitely in Wind Waker. He like he doesn't even want to go on his adventure in the beginning of Wind Waker. His no, sister wakes him up. In a bed. And he's got those huge cartoon eyes of like complete and utter... Um, irritation, in, indifference, yeah, right. Yeah, uh, like you just woke me up. Oh, he's just and I like, love that right. he's sleeping in the crow's nest balcony area. He's not even in his own bed. Man, he just sleeps anywhere. He just goes down anywhere. So, um, so yeah, there's part of the sleeping thing. So you're right. Yeah, it's kind of cute that he's sleeping in Mario RPG as well. <laughs> Since we were just talking about Wind Waker, I'll do a quick one that's kind of an Easter egg, but I think it might be more of just a development thing. It's 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 a it's a slightly known fact that in Wind Waker, so so all the you know Hyrule exists in a mystery land. It is. You know, when you think about like even Star Wars, the beginning of Star Wars, you know, episode four, when they say in a galaxy or in all of them, when they say a galaxy, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, technically that means that they are in the same universe as Earth, just mil- millions of years pre- previous and in a completely different galaxy. Like, like technically Earth will exist at some point in Star Wars' future in some other galaxy, right? It's like super removed, but it's technically based in a version of what we would call reality. 
Hyrule does not. Hyrule doesn't have any kind of even distant, vague connection to Earth. There's never talk about it or anything like that. It doesn't exist below the planet. It doesn't exist in a different universe. It is in a completely different situation. It has no relationship to our to our corporal world. But um, in Wind Waker, the the stars that are in the sky have real have Earth based constellations. Have real constellations in it, and. I personally, and you know, that's kind of cool. A lot of people get excited about it. Like you can actively see, I remember actively seeing Orion, but Orion's an easy one to spot. Um, but I don't know, Celeste, I think personally that this might be more, not so much an Easter egg as it is more a matter of, um, you know, maybe that was the texture map that they loaded in was like just night sky, you know, you, you bring up night sky.png and you load that in or whatever. Right. I mean, it might be more that than them like specifically designing consciously designing earth perspective based constellations. You know what I mean? I, I like the idea of it being an Easter egg though. I kind of like the idea. I would love to visit Hyrule. Would you visit Hyrule if you had the opportunity? I mean, yeah, I think so. I think the, I mean, certainly, certainly. I mean, I guess it depends because what rules are you engaging? Are you going into a Hyrule where, anyway, I don't want to get into it, but yes, the 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 universe <laughs> would be a blast. Um, yeah. Um, most definitely. The I think the way we could figure this out is if the texture maps, if the textures that were made for the sky texture, the sky box and all of that in Wind Waker, if that was... designed if that was built if that was painted by an artist and they chose to consciously or subconsciously put the constellations in that is definitely an easter egg if it was more of like a texture that was purchased or something like that then i think it may be more just like designing and that maybe not so much an easter egg well we need to look this up because i need to know <laughs> i need to get to the bottom of this <laughs> contact IG Anuma. I'm going to contact Miyamoto. Well, I tell you what, I've personally kind of wanted the next making of episode that I do to be on Wind Waker. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'll have to really kind of research that and figure out where that sky texture came from. That, hopefully that'll be a season four episode or something. I don't know. We're, we're still kind of putting everything together. I would love that. Now, now, David, we do have a little mentioning of Wind Waker by Carly again in the comments from Absolutely. Would you like to read that one? Well, I've got a, is this, wait, oh yeah, okay, is this, uh, so Carly says, there are so many to choose from, but my favorites are from Twilight Princess and Wind Waker. In Twilight Princess, you can visit the fortune teller in Castletown. If you select the love option when speaking to her, her chant is actually, wait, Loading takes a while, spelled backwards. So you might remember when you talk to the fortune teller in Twilight Princess, and she goes, and the, you know, the lights get weird and, and, mm -hmm. and strange words appear, and you don't know what's going on. It doesn't really quite rhyme, but apparently, wait, loading takes a little while um, is on there. So I guess it's like E L I, and then probably like H W A S, and then E K A. You know, it's all spelled backwards. Okay, fine. In Wind Waker, I always loved. The basement in Hyrule Castle. Yes, of course. If you look closely at the stained glass windows, there are the sages from Ocarina of Time. Yes, definitely. That is something that you and I have both spoken to that we really enjoy. Um, the, I think I think it was Nintendo's version of trying to say that that castle down there. I don't know if it is Hyrule Castle from Ocarina of Time. But it's absolutely in the same. It's, it's it's in the same universe. It's clearly the same way that stone glass often is a record of 
events prior or history in, in a lot of buildings. I, I, that's how I interpreted it down there in Wind Waker. How about you, Celeste? I think it's, yeah, the same timeline. Like the, why these are relevant to the story, these stained glass images of the sages. It blew my mind. I, I thought it was so cool. I thought it was such a cool nod to those well, people. And Wind Waker was the first t- game that Nintendo kind of said, all right, all right, all right, we're going to start kind of connecting these. With the exception of Zelda 2 being a direct sequel, Everything else was kind of vaguely, Link to the Past was vaguely a prequel, considered a prequel at the time. I think it's all been sorted out differently now. Ocarina, there wasn't much talk about where it fit in any kind of timeline. Um, it was almost a re, it was almost a reboot, but but you know the later on they kind of worked it into the into the timeline. Wind Waker was the first time in my where it really impacted me, where I was like, oh, we are, like in the beginning of Wind Waker, they literally say hundreds of years ago, there was a hero and, you know, this, that Link in Wind Waker is a different person and he comes to fulfill the hero's shoes or fill the hero's shoes. And so seeing those windows was, um, for me, it was like, oh, you know, you get to, you go back to Ocarina just a little bit, you know? I have to ask, David, do you have a favorite sage? putting you on the spot there so so an ocarina sage mm-hmm. yeah because that's what's in the windows mm-hmm. let me put it this way and it may be a very unromantic answer i remember when i was playing you know not like oh i've always loved so and so it's um i actually was a little bit disillusioned by the sages in ocarina of time i <laughs> so what, really? I'm, what i'm trying to say is um i remember meeting raru and thinking, oh, this is super cool. Raru's awesome. I can't wait to meet more of these mystery characters. And uh, pretty soon, you know, I think the first one you meet then late after that is is Saria. Isn't that right? Yes, because you go to the Forest Temple first. And right. And then you get Darunia. Well, when we hit Saria, I kind of thought like, oh, okay, that's cool. She's a sage. She kind of had a weird... Connect, you know, I was connected to this character anyway because she was there helping from the beginning and she was your friend and all that kind of stuff. And I thought, all right, well, maybe she always had a little bit of that in her. And then it was Darunia. And then it was, um, after Ruta. a while, it was, after a while, it was Impa and Ruda and like all these characters that we had met. And honestly, by the second or third time the sages appeared as these people, I was kind of like, all right, Nintendo, you just didn't want to make new assets. You didn't want to build new characters. Or, okay, well, yeah, let's have it be, uh, Let's have it be that one, uh, that one Gerudo lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the sage now. Yeah, that's right. We we made her. You know what I mean? Like rocks. <laughs> I know. Story wise, I'm not against it. I don't want to be sour about it. But I remember being, quite frankly, kind of disappointed when it was once it was Durinia, or yeah, Durinia. I was kind of like, you know, I raised an eyebrow, and then it, and then Rudo or whatever it was, the direction. And then by the time we hit Impa, and then the the Gerudo, um, lady is that who's that? Is that who? What's her name? Naburu. Naburu. Oh, it's Naburu? Mm-hmm. That's my girl. I was kind of like, this is cool, but it's entire. It's intuitively obvious that um, we're just reusing assets here. We're just putting other models in and trying to make it convenient. The only thing that's kind of interesting to me, but the, the, but the Impa character doesn't line up with this, is that I kind of thought like, well, these people have been elevated to sages because they've perished in the dungeon before you. And maybe they didn't know they were a sage ahead of time. You know, I think even one of one or two of them kind of speaks to like, hey, it turns out I was a sage. <laughs> you know, once you meet them. Yeah, because Rudo, if you, I'm sure you remember, the whole point of the Zora Sapphire is to propose to your beloved and she wants to marry Link. But when you 
beat the water temple and she reveals herself to be the sage, she says something like, we can't be together as I am. I don't know. Right. Maybe that's a big relief for Link. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> she, he definitely basically ran away from her when they were kids. But, you know, that's a little bit like, ew, uh, you know, um, Zora cooties or something. <laughs> my niece, my eight-year-old niece is going through that right now. She had a boy, unfortunately, unfortunately, a boy pulled a chair out from behind her in <gasps> uh, her second grade right now. She's a, she's a tough cookie. She's awesome. She has plenty of confidence, so she wasn't uh, hurt by this. But uh, she very candidly said to me, yeah, I think it's just because he has a crush on me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. They, he's picking on her. What yeah, I know. That's you know, when nice. you're that younger age, it was certainly not nice, and I don't endorse that at all. But, you know, when you're that younger age, sometimes you don't know how to express your emotions, and just any kind of attention at all is feels like a positive thing. And uh, yeah, maybe Link running away from Rudo as a child or her coming onto him so strong it, it has similar vibes. Yeah, no one's ever proposed to me in my childhood, so I don't know how I'd react. <laughs> either, so. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough, me either. Um, okay, let's see what else do we can we get into here. You know, there is a ton of Breath of the Wild Easter eggs. I mean, almost all of Breath of the Wild is an Easter egg. I think Celeste, mm-hmm. let's go to break. And we can return to a few Breath of the Wilds. I want to talk about Breath of the Wild being in a different game. And we can return to some of our other Patreon-based submissions here. Sound good? Sounds, Sounds good. All right, I'll see you in a little bit. Welcome to our new podcast. Welcome to our new podcast. This isn't working. Agreed. I think we're going to have to do it turn by turn. Well, now that you mention it, we are a brand new RPG video game podcast. Our very existence hinges on turn-based gaming. So join us on the Turn by Turn podcast, where we'll be talking about Pokemon, Fire Emblem, Golden Sun, Shining Force, Mother, and so many more. It's your turn to come and join us. Hi, I'm Ryan. And I'm Mike. And we are brothers-in-law. We both love beer and are amateur home brewers. Wait, so does that make us... Brothers-in-law? <laughs> I believe so. Every episode, we will talk about aspects of beer and home brewing. But nothing super technical because we're learning this too. So join us as we sit down together and dive into something beer-related. Whether it's a little field research, tasting a certain beer style, or beers from a specific brewery, Talk about our experiences brewing beer at home, including our own solo brews, as well as themed competitions we'll set up along the way. We will also talk about some of our favorite aspects of brewing, like hops, extra ingredients, building our brew cave, and more. And of course, our own misadventures that have happened along the way. So if you like beer, are home brewing already, or if you have an interest in home brewing and don't know where to start, join us on Brewers in Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at Brewersinlaw and check out our website, Brewersinlaw.com. Cheers. Cheers. And we are back, back from the break. Uh, Celeste, let's let's actually go. I'm gonna go straight into uh, Mike Westfall over on Patreon. And right off the bat, he uh, messaged us and said, this is an early one. 
in Zelda 2, at the end of the maze of ca- of the caves in Death Mountain, you so there's a in Zelda 2 there's kind of like a there's a maze. It's you know these you know sometimes video games will do this where it's like a, it's like a door maze. You go into this door, you pop out of another area. There's two other doors. Mm-hmm. Which when you go in, you pop out of another one. They're mazes because they're very disorienting. They're like a um, almost a three dimensional maze because they're not necessarily a two D maze that you can look at and assess. You have to kind of more memorize what you're going in and out of. Anyways. Um, so Death Mountain is, is, is kind of done that way in, in Zelda 2. In Death Mountain, you emerge in a small area. After you get through the Death Mountain maze, you emerge in a small area that I eventually recognized as the entire map of the first game. The Easter egg is suggesting that the Kingdom of Hyrule is much, much larger than it appeared in Zelda 1. And uh, there's def- he provides a screenshot here for us. I was aware of this one as well. The resolution of the overworld map on Zelda 2 is... Not particularly detailed. Do you know what I mean, Celeste? It's it's tile based, and it's not. There's not a lot of detail in that overworld. However, the placement of the lakes, the placement of the graveyard, the placement of some of the mountains, the the tiles laid out on Zelda 2's map, I would say line up enough that, to, in my opinion, it does equal uh, to be a, a facsimile of the entire first game. Now, David, it looks. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at this map. Thank you, Mike, for providing this screenshot from Reddit. By the way, it looks like there's a labyrinth. Am I right? What? I'm looking at the map. I guess I Is will there, look at it too. Um, it reminds me of a labyrinth in Breath of the Wild. That is off. I think it's the Akala one, where it's off in the the sea. Okay. What? Uh, it kind of looks like it. Well, okay, all right. So there, I mean, there is there's there's a whole other maze out there. But if you look down in, the, we're looking at right now, we're looking at an image of the entire uh, Zelda Two overworld map. Now, remember, mm-hmm. the, the, there is a difference in Zelda One. The overworld map is the map; it is your main adventure experience. Mm-hmm. Where in Zelda Two, it's a little bit more like a role playing game, where you kind of have this slightly more abstracted, zoomed out overworld experience. And then when you have enemy encounters, you go, you zoom in, so to speak, and it becomes a side scroller. But in that zoomed out experience, take a look at the lower left of the image that Mike has provided to us, Celeste. And do you see just that teeny tiny little red square? Mm -hmm. That little square there underneath the Death Mountain Caves is is the area that's that's generally considered to be the Zelda 1 map. Very cool. I mean, I think there is kind of a labyrinth-ish... There's a more of a uh, there's more of a classic two dimensional labyrinth maze in the upper right hand uh, part portion of the Zelda two map that you're speaking to, and I think it is very it's graphically very reminiscent of the Breath of the Wild labyrinths, or vice versa. The Breath of the Wild ones are reminiscent of this, but technically that I mean I think I think this entire overworld map in Zelda two might be one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve. It might only be twenty four tiles by eighteen tiles tall. And that's not a lot of resolution to work with to depict the entire um, map of Zelda One. But if you if you consider to zoom out, I think it's there. You know, you've kind of have the famous river going up to the two ponds that kind of connect to each other in Zelda One that everybody remembers from the center of the map, and there it is. Mm-hmm. Ah, how cool is that? Thank you, Mike. 
Um, you know, and actually, I'm going to follow up with another Mike when he said, also, learning Skyward Swords, Ballad of the Goddess being Zelda's lullaby in reverse was a great moment. Absolutely. In fact, Kate mm-hmm. and I played around with this in our Music of Skyward Sword episode way back in season one, I think it was. And I did take the fi- or she found the file in reverse and we played it on on the episode. And it it absolutely is Zelda's lullaby. Very cool. That is cool. He has he has one more. It's a reply to one of Carly's. He said, "In Castletown, Ooh. there's a Goron on a hidden balcony that tells you it's a secret to everybody." Oh, if, is it in Twilight Princess? I think. Yes, yes, it's in Twilight Princess, and I think he sells you things. I don't know if you remember in Twilight Princess. There's this area where these there are these Gorons who are peddling their wares. Yeah, it's you kind of find the back this back hallway. It's it's in the main center by the fountain, but you kind of find this back yes. hallway that goes up into a second floor of a building, and then essentially you're on a balcony that looks back out onto um, the the fountain area of Castletown. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's a great view. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and so I think I think it's a secret to everybody shows up in every single Zelda game in one way or another. I feel like you're right. It's famous because it was one of the first kind of Easter eggs where you you know you find a goblin in in the original Legend of Zelda and he is willing to give you coins, but it's a secret to everybody because he's actually helping you out. That's why he's he's so ashamed that he's helping Link. I wonder what story that that Moblin's uh, story is. <laughs> why did you change sides? I don't know. Indeed. Um, okay, so anyway, and actually I had a lot of fun having that be our subtitle for this podcast because when Kate and I first started making another Zelda podcast, no one knew about it at all. And so I kind of like this idea that people could just find the show organically and allow it to be a bit a bit as an homage to the original Zelda game where people would find secrets in the game just by talking to each other and sharing with each other. I was kind of like, you know what? I think for that first season, if people just kind of find us organically, that would be a really fun kind of way to have people learn about the show. And um, and there it is. I love it. Mm-hmm. Let's Very see, cool. Celeste. Do you have any on your list here? I think I do. I have quite a few. <laughs> if you'd like me to, would you like me to take my turn now? Let's or? do it. Okay. Now this is another Mario in a Zelda game reference. There's a Yoshi doll and a chain shop in Link's Awakening. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I kind of, oh, I didn't mean to take that from you, the chain chomps. I was talking about, oh, no, I didn't talk about the chain chomps. I was talking about the piranha plants and the goombas. You are golden, Pony Boy. Yoshi absolutely shows up in Link's Awakening right early. I think he's one of the first items in the massive fetch quest that happens, or is he like second or third? But he's definitely in the early part of that quest. Okay, is is the Yoshi doll, I think you get him from the little claw game, right? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And, And then you have to trade him. Now, I think... I, I could be wrong, David. I think okay, there's a there's a chain chomp like Bow Wow or something, and then I think you can get a little girl chain chomp statue that you can trade. Okay, so in the Switch version, there's the statue mechanic. In the original Game Boy version, the statues didn't exist. That's something that that Grezzo added oh, in just for some extra okay. stuff. But okay. um, um, there is a small you know there's the smaller Bow Wow when you go into the small doghouse, and she's the one that you eventually trade an item with. To help her feel a little bit, bit more beautiful, I guess I'll say I don't want to give too much away for the for the ch- trading sequence. So there was the smaller girl chain chomp as well in the doghouse, mm. but then the main big chain chomp is absolutely absolutely the one that you take with you after you defeat, after you finish the first dungeon. That's all I'll say. Very nice, very nice. I wonder if we have any Link's Awakening comments. 
Ah, uh, no Link's Awakening from the patrons, but I can read another one. Let's do Andy's. Andy's. Hey there, Andy. Other no, otherwise known as Zeldum. Check out his channel. Thank you very much. He's also a blog writer. So he says, Link's face on the punching bag in Gruce's dorm room. You remember that one? That one's that's really funny. David. I don't, oh, but oh. that is funny. That is funny. I, you know, I'm very excited about this Skyward Sword HD release. I'm really excited yeah. to play Skyward Sword, and I'm going to have a lot more fun. You know, the um the the past ten years, I've tried to start playing Skyward Sword once or twice again, and 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 just for the for reasons, I, I I've had difficulty getting back into it. So I'm really excited to give it a nice thorough playthrough and I'm going to have to look for this uh, for Link's face on Groose's dorm room. I hope they keep it. I really do. Now this one, I, okay. There's a paper airplane in Ikana castle. Now that's Majora's mask. Where is this paper airplane? I remember seeing this one organically. It's, it's just, in fact, I thought it was like, I remember back in 2001 when it came out, I was playing this game in college and I remember seeing it. And, you know, it's one of those things where you just go, well, that's odd. But Majora's Mask did, so earlier I was speaking to you about extra paraphernalia on tables and set dressings um, inside houses with the remakes of Majora's Mask and Ocarina of Time. But it's also true that Majora's Mask it had the extra memory so they could add more colors and textures and actual assets and models that they had built. So where in Ocarina of Time, the original, you would just have a table in the middle of a, of a building. In Majora's Mask, if you go into the hotel, they will have, they'd have a little plant or a little flower and a, and a vase and stuff. They, the, the, some of the details of these people's lives were becoming more realized because of the extra memory and power from Majora's Mask. So I remember seeing in what, what's, what's interpreted as a uh, paper airplane, and it's just like sitting on a pillar, the top of a pillar over by Akana Castle, and it makes no sense. And, and best I can tell, there's nothing you can do with it or to it. It's just there. So I don't know if it was like, I think it is kind of a classic Easter egg where maybe there were many assets being built, extra assets for the game, um, probably extra, like I said, flowers and vases and cups and placemats and things like that. And maybe someone made a paper airplane. That'd be a pretty simple polygonal thing to create. And maybe one day, I I am positing that one day one of the designers decided to uh, plop this thing in in a really weird spot just for the fun of it. Because cause I would imagine Celeste that as the world of Majora's Mask was being built, I would imagine there was one or two people who at least for some time, maybe it was a couple of days, maybe it was a couple of weeks, their sole job was to set dress uh, parts of the game. I think they're just messing with us. <laughs> oh yeah, I think they're messing with us, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, okay, was, paper airplane. I was looking this up and there are theory videos about the dark origins of the paper airplane in Icona Castle. Yeah. No, I think I think it's just a programmer having an asset that was probably built for anywhere and then choosing kind of a weird and funny place to put it because maybe they hadn't put it anywhere else. Or maybe, you know how it works with game design, they might have had a little extra, not RAM, but they might have had a little bit extra memory that they didn't need to cache because maybe, or they had a couple, they had some space for some extra polygons in that one area they could load that when they were looking to populate and pad out the details in this world, they're like, well, we got to put something there. Oh, hey, we haven't used the paper airplane yet. Put that in. I mean, I'm making all of this up, but it's, I think it's easy to imagine a scenario like that 
I think so. I think so. And Andy has one more in this comment as well. Another Skyward Sword one. The symbols of the sages on the ceiling of the vestibule when the goddess statue falls in front of the sealed temple. What? He's. I mean, he's our Skyward Sword master because he's. He that was his first Zelda game he ever played. He loves Zelda when Skyward goddess Sword. statue falls in front of the sealed temple in Skyward Sword, the vestibule. Oh, oh, oh! Interesting. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I think with our higher textures and higher resolutions in the HD remake, these these um, uh, sages will be even easier to see. I think so. I looked it up and I mean, it's been 10, 10 years almost since I've played Skyward Sword, but that that's pretty cool. Yeah, the little symbols. I think that those symbols appear in other Zelda games, the Sage's symbols. I want to say. Yeah, they probably do. I mean, they kind of became a staple after Ocarina. Originally, they were part of the medallions that were going to be like mm-hmm. literal items that you would use and attach to other items in early versions of Ocarina of Time. But then they ended up stand, just standing for the sages. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I'm getting a little wrapped around. Um, so the sage symbols, Celeste, help me out. Are the sage symbols, the symbols that are on the coins and the medallions that you get in Ocarina of Time, or are they the images of the stones that you get, those first three stones that you get in the beginning of Ocarina of Time? You know what I'm talking about? Well, I don't think those stones are, are necessarily affiliated with sages. It's the medallions that are affiliated, okay. like the medallion of light, medallion of shadow. Oh, of course, of course. You know where I'm getting, you know where I get a little confused sometimes is I th- the, the the three stones had to do with the, um, the oracles. Isn't that right? The three oracles that actually built Hyrule. Three oracles. Are, are you thinking of the goddesses? Maybe? Yeah, the goddesses. Did I say yeah, oh. oracles? Yeah, you know, oh, the goddesses. Okay. Um, yeah, the three stones are the goddesses, and then the sages are the coins. Yes, yes, yes. I've, yes it's very yes. easy for me to accidentally think of the goddesses as um, the sages sometimes by accident. No, that's okay. I, I, I they, they're all so wise and great. <laughs> um, I've got a quick one here in in Twilight Princess. By the way, I really liked how the sages were depicted in Twilight Princess. I liked that they were kind of new models. They had the weird floating faces and stuff. Um. And it was kind of a hearkening back to the wise old men in, the, at least the graphic of the wise men in A Link to the Past in the, in the early parts of that game. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, in the con- talking a little bit more about hidden images in HD remakes in the Twilight Princess HD remake in the uh, in one of the buildings. It's like it's one of these areas where someone's collecting a bunch of stuff. Um, there's a there's a picture of basically a screenshot of the Breath of the Wild trailer. That you oh I actually provided an image here, I don't know if you can see it here Celeste Breath I'm of the Wild painting at it. yeah there's a one of the early shots I think it was kind of like one of the early promotional shots for Breath of the Wild is embedded into the Twilight Princess HD um, one of the frames which is kind of fun. Now is this at Mallow Mart? I don't think so. I think this is where the rich person has all the fancy stuff, but I could be mistaken. Oh, is it the the shop? That exists before Mallow's Mart, the very Dudley's, Chudley's. Oh, it could be. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's beautiful. It's very opulent. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird that the textures for the frame and the in the image that we're looking at here, the textures for the frame and the wall are a little high res, a little more high res than the actual JPEG or or PNG that's being loaded for Breath of the Wild, but that's perfectly fine. <laughs> 
I like that. I like what's that. What's this? Um, what's that? you've got another Breath of the Wild one here? I see on your list. What is this? Well, okay. So I have I have two more Easter eggs. One of them, if the map markers on Breath of the Wild, have you ever used those? And you see these symbols falling down. Yeah, yeah. You mean like when you're okay. using your Sheikah slate to to pin an area, and you see like the light shine up, shoot shine up into the sky, but you can also yes. add those pins in map mode. That's what you're talking about. Yes the the text reads, "It's dangerous to go alone." That's cool. I know. I know. Breath of the Wild. Like all the text actually technically says something in Breath of the Wild, and a lot of it is Easter eggs. Um, that's wonderful. I think that's a great, a great place to embed. Uh, it's dangerous to go alone is on those little did you, markers. Did you ever study the Hillian language? No, the closest I've gotten is, um, I, I use, a, I use a couple like Zelda based fonts in some of our graphics for the podcast, but I just spell, you know, I'll load up like an old Zelda one or a Twilight Princess font and type in the normal words and that's that's all the further it goes for me but I do know that it all technically there is there is similes or an, it's all analogous to our our actual normal alphabet and stuff I, I haven't read it yet I haven't really studied it I would like to maybe I could put that on my resume I would like that <laughs> no, I know Helian <laughs> let's see well let's go to another patron absolutely I've got one from Melissa Hillard here um, Melissa, she's, she, oh, I love this. I did not know about what she what she brings to the table here. So Melissa Hillard says, in Ocarina of Time, if you borrow the Gerudo mask from the Happy Mask salesman, the responses from two characters hint at an interesting bit of backstory. I think this is super cool. So if you go to Talon and you speak to Talon while wearing the Gerudo mask, um, Talon. So the Gerudo mask, you know, you're looking like one of the Gerudo guards, the female guards. Mm-hmm. Talon says. Hey, that reminds me of my wife. On second thought, it doesn't. It doesn't look like it her at all. And if you go to Naburu, she says, that's odd. It kind of looks like me. No, not really. Not at all, if you look at it closely. And uh, so Monica says here, if you consider Malin's appearance, Malin has red hair, if you consider Malin's appearance, it totally checks out. Uh, the implication here is that Naburu and Talon are Malin's, uh, Malin's parents. Bonus, according to the Legend of Zelda encyclopedia, Ganondorf's favorite gem is Topaz. It's on page 21. What a fun little factoid to include about the king of evil. I mean, he has to remain stylish, right? He needs a favorite gem. <laughs> if if Naburu and Talon are Malin's parents, that is a massive, that is a deep cut embedded down into that game. Uh, yeah, because apparently if that's the case, Naburu used to sing Epona's song to Malin when she was a child. When she was even younger. Maybe? Because I, I believe when she teaches the Epona song, she explains that it's a song her mother used to sing. Yeah. Or or Talon's wife also just had red hair and kind of looked like a Gerudo. Maybe was Gerudo. Because they both both of these characters say in their quotes, he says, oh, that looks like my wife. On second th- thought, it doesn't. It doesn't look like at her at all. And, and Nibiru says, it looks like me. No, not really. Not at all. I mean, they're definitely... parallels to each other these sentences so i think i think whatever that maybe the mask maybe the gerudo mask is not based on naburu but based on malin's original mother who might have been gerudo but anyway we just well thank you for that melissa because that kind of blew my mind a little bit (laughs) 
All right. Well, I have, Do we have, I any have others? one more, David. Okay. I have I have one more for me. Now, this is, again, not a Zelda game, but there's a Zelda reference. There's a reference to the windfish in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Now, David, have, I don't think you've played Animal Crossing, right? I have I have never turned on or yeah, I've never turned on a Animal Crossing game of any system in my life yet. That's okay. Well, there is a seagull named Gulliver, which is a neat name alluding to Gulliver's travels, and he always washes up on the shore and you have to wake him up. And upon waking him up, he sometimes will say, Verily it be the nature of dreams to end, which is what the windfish says upon waking at the end of Link's Awakening. And if you continue talking to Gulliver Gulliver, he will say, Oh, what was all that verily stuff about? I think a fish told me it once. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's fun. That's mm-hmm. fun. I think I like um, you know, we could there are it's it's interesting. I think what we can finish with is there are nine million Easter eggs in Breath of the Wild if you consider the names of every little hill and island and all of that kind of stuff that reference all the other Zelda games. But I feel like in many ways they almost aren't Easter eggs because I have personally, I want to know your thoughts on this, uh, Celeste, and then we can we can wrap up this episode. I I think I'm coming to peace with the idea that the Breath of the Wild Hyrule might be the only real one. And all the previous games, even though they are technically recognized as being a timeline, are legends, literal legends that, you know, you can imagine someone, ha- you know, um, the 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 uh, ruins to the stable, the islands named after things, the same way that um, myths and legends can be twisted and in and and brought from you know real world things. I kind of, I'm kind of cool with the idea that the Hyrule in Breath of the Wild is the real one, and every other game is a legend. So there are truths, there are probably moments of of accuracy and truth, but they're all kind of interpreted and handed down the ages. And I think Breath of the Wild actually does it really. If you subscribe to that theory all these different names and quote-unquote Easter eggs that are in Breath of the Wild don't become Easter eggs at all. They become canon. They become the things that people tell the tales about. And I, I kind of, I, I'm just as charmed by that idea as, as I am about everything being like a really impactful timeline too. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts about this? I hadn't even thought about that. That's really beautiful. <laughs> It, to me, it doesn't take anything away from any previous Zelda game. And, and, the, and the fact that these stories, these legends of all the different links, I mean, we're always jumping another hundred years. We're jumping a thousand years. None of it really makes sense. That's perfectly fine. The stories and the myths and these legends of all these other links that have been told are probably based on some truths and some accuracy. And then they're interpreted and, and dramatized and, and everything else. Um, the only, you know what, though? Do you know what, though? What? What, what you got for me? There might be one thing that we'll learn in Breath of the Wild 2 that might disprove the concept that all the other games don't technically exist or the or that they aren't accurate retellings. Huh. If Ganondorf is, you know, so Ganondorf in Breath of the Wild 2 that we've seen so far in the trailer, it is surmised that that is the same Ganondorf from Twilight Princess because it, the jewelry and stuff on him lines up. And we all know that the Ganondorf from Twilight Princess is the same Ganondorf from Ocarina of Time. That was that was canonical in the storytelling of these games. So if Ganondorf in Breath of the Wild 2, if, if there's any, any speaking to him being from those other eras, I think that puts Twilight Princess 
and Ocarina of Time, and by extension, many of the other Zelda games, back into a corporal existence that's related to uh, Breath of the Wild instead of this kind of more ethereal um, storytelling existence. That is so cool, David. I never thought about that. We'll have to see in Breath of the Wild, too. Speaking of Breath of the Wild, we do have one more patron. Oh, oh, did I miss one? I'm so sorry. It's okay. It's, it's It actually works out because it is about Breath of the Wild, and it's from Tim Martin. <gasps> he says, I love music. I love everything about music. Pretty much anything other than Yoko Ono is music I okay, can find. Yeah. Strong opinions in. there from Tim Martin. No problem. Breath of the Wild is no exception. When you're in the field, you hear random pianos every now and then. If you speed these up, they very clearly make out familiar songs. I recommend listening to them if you haven't already. And he lists a YouTube video with examples of this. And I think, I'm trying to think of one. There are extended, there are Zelda themes extended down to half speed, one third speed, all over Breath of the Wild. Some of them are a little bit more recognizable than others, but they are everywhere. Most of the music is some kind of dreamy reinterpretation of another theme. There's there's very there's a lot of it's you know, there's a lot of original compositions. It's all original compositions for Breath of the Wild, but most of those compositions are like almost jazz-inspired completely um um, deconstructed versions of previous themes. Oh, yeah. Do you have a favorite one that comes to mind? Well, okay, so the ones that are less deconstructed, that are the most obvious, the most obvious one is every time you go to a horse stable, fine, you hear the Lan Lan Ranch theme. Um, the second most obvious one is when you go into the Temple of Time, th- there is a very slow down depiction and broken up depiction of the Temple of Time music mm-hmm. that happens in Ocarina of Time. The the next two that are most easily recognized are if you ride your horse for a while during the day, I think you get Zelda's song, or you kind of get the actual um, um, you get the actual uh, slow down version of the actual like Hyrule theme, and then at night you get Zelda's song. And for some reason, I remember that one more. That's where you, instead of it being ba 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 ba, it's literally like I mean we've all heard it. It's like wow you know in the background and you have to ride for a while and so what happens is in breath of the wild one of my favorite things about the music in breath of the wild is that you start to feel all the themes without specifically being like and there's the song again folks you know what i mean they i really appreciate Mm -hmm. how breath of the wild reinterprets a lot of the themes Again, some are a little bit more literal than others, but there are some. I mean, obviously, like the the Hyrule Castle goes in and out of abstraction and a literal translation. There are times where we have exact references to parts of the theme, uh, and then there's other times where it it gets broken out and you know you drop things down a third and or or we wait a while. I love it. It's so cool. It's so cool. The music in Breath of the Wild becomes more of a feeling than actual music, and I think that's a great execution. And um, I'm trying to think of some that are super, super drawn out that you can barely notice. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I just think of the the horse one whenever you're riding your horse. That's what the, I was thinking yeah. of because I'm often on a horse. <laughs> there's little ones all over the place. I'm making this up right now, but if my memory serves, there's little things about like the, you know... Um, when you're down by the beach, there's a super, super duper slowed down version of, you know, Malin's song that she sings and stuff like that that just kind of wafts through the melodies and stuff. It's very cool. Very nice. I think, well, I think that's everyone's day, but mm-hmm. I don't see one 
unless anybody emailed you, but I... No, no, no. We did it all through this message thread. Well, perfect. Um, so those are some of our else? our favorite Easter eggs. Yeah, I, I I really I love these little bonuses. They're so fun, and there are gamers who go out of their way to look for these kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. Now, hey, let me let me let's end with this final thought. Do, for you, do Easter eggs are they too winky winky? Do they do they pull you out of the game, or do they or do they land for you most of the time? I love. I love Easter eggs. I yeah. am someone who likes to seek them out. I, I think they're they're just fun. They're whimsical. And I, I like the idea that someone took the time to put them in. It, it kind of shows me that someone's having fun with their job. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite is when it's an Easter egg that is kind of, I guess you could say, still in canon. You know, something like Link's face on Groose's uh, mm-hmm. punching bag, which I don't per- personally recall. But it's that the idea of that, I love that because that's that's almost character development, you know, it's like a character development Easter egg a little bit, which is great. Um, um, that kind of stuff gets me really excited. When you kind of do outside of the universe Easter eggs, like maybe the Mario pictures inside the castle in Ocarina of Time, maybe one could argue that that pulls you out a little bit, but it's, it's still it's still fun. Because then at that point now you're celebrating what it was like to make the game. Yes, it might pull me out of the narrative and out of the experience of the game, but now I get to be interested in and celebrate a meta version of the game, which would be the the people who had to make the game. And so that is kind of fun too. I love it. All right, Celeste, let's, uh, let's head out of here. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at fairy crypt. Let's talk about Zelda. <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, you're over on our discord a lot now these days too. I think you're kind of helping me manage that. Yes, yes. Shane and I are pretty active, and Stephanie too. Oh, Stephanie's getting in there too. I knew Shane. Mm-hmm. I was just about to say that Shane's Shane's uh, staying active in there as well. I really love it. Shane, Stephanie, and uh, Shane and Stephanie are both blog writers for us, and they've they've uh, Shane has appeared in a number of episodes, and he will in the future. I don't think we've had Stephanie's voice on the show yet, Celeste, but certainly that'll be something that it's. it's I mean, it's inevitable, and I'm very excited about that fact. Um, uh, if people want to find me on the internet, I'm just at Raptor Paint on Twitter and Instagram. The show is Another Zelda Pod on Twitter, Another Zelda Podcast on Instagram. You can go to our website, anotherzeldapodcast.com, where you can find show notes for all of our episodes. Um, you can get links to our Patreon page, where we have a bunch of bonuses. I, uh, some of the rewards that we have are monthly wallpapers for your phones and computers and even watches and stuff like that that I build each month. Uh, we do a video version at our highest tier, a, a video pseudo behind the scenes hangout experience of, of our recordings of each of these episodes. Hello, Magical Sword people. I'm waving to you right now on air. They're with us hanging out via a camera recording right now. And um, also you can read our blogs that are we're getting a kind of a growing experience on that website. You, we're getting to the point where you can kind of just go to the anotherzeldapodcast.com website and hang out and take in other content as well, not just the podcast. And I think that's really wonderful, Celeste. And a lot of that I have actually I owe to you because you are the acting editor over the last last year or two for the blog, Celeste. So uh, thank you for that. <laughs> oh, 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 thank you very much. It's it's a big team effort. The writers are so great, and they have some awesome topics. Uh, please read the blogs. People put their heart and soul into these articles. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's that. You can find us on iTunes, Google Podcast, or, or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, wherever you might find, um, wherever you might listen to your podcasts. 
well, we show up on some of the, even the third-party ones. But anyway, I digress. Uh, take a listen. You can find us on YouTube at Another Zelda Podcast. And we have a couple extra episodes there. We have a little unboxing episode that I did with my nieces there. Um, we have a little bonus interview that I did with um, Heliocentric Games about their game Rogue Heroes, uh, Ruins, of, Ruins of Tassos, which just came out on Switch, which is a lot of fun. It's basically a multi- It's basically a love letter to Zelda games as uh, envisioned as a four-player multiplayer game. And there it is. Celeste, thank you so much. I will... I mean, I'll be talking to you in two days for our production <laughs> meeting in real yes. life. But thanks for joining me again here on this show. Thanks, David. And until next time, everybody, bye. Okay, bye. Bye.